0: And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.
1: Hey lady, it's Dr. Dime here. If you like this show and you want to make your own, let me tell you about the free platform Anchor. It's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. You can add songs from Spotify and create any type of content that you are looking for. Anchor will distribute it all for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. On this week's episode in HerSpace. I'm going to say what I need to say, and you just going to have to deal. Because I am saying, I am adamant that we are not going to support football. I need you to get on board with this. I thought we was girls. Like, come on, T. Girl, bye.
2: Fuck football. Whoa, that's pretty aggressive. You do realize that Kaepernick is being disrespectful to vets and people that serve this country, right?
1: No, he ain't. Welcome to Her Space, a podcast dedicated to uplifting women like you. We're your hosts, hosts, Dr. Dominique Broussard, a college professor and psychologist,
2: and Terry Lomax, a techie and motivational speaker. In a world where Black women are often misrepresented and misunderstood, please join us as we initiate authentic conversations on everything from fibroids to fake friends and create a safe space where Black women can just
1: be. Today, we are talking about conflict resolution. So grab a pen and paper, grab your iPad, your phone, whatever it is that you normally use to take down notes and write down important things. Because lady, today we are diving in to a very important topic, and we will have lots of tips to help you out. We're going to get started with our quote of the day. People will forget what you said. They will forget what you did, but they will never forget how you made them feel. And that comes from Dr. Maya Angelou. T, you ready to dive in?
2: I'm ready, down. Let's do it. So before we actually dive into the topic, Dom, let's think about what feelings come up for us when we're in the face of a conflict. Oh, that word. Right. What do you feel about that word?
1: I feel tension. Yes. I feel pain. I feel frustration, sadness. I also experience like my heart racing Mm -hmm. or in Sometimes I know some people experience like rumbling in their gut. Oh, yes. Yeah, like rumbling or butterflies in your stomach.
2: I think about feelings of anxiety, stress, um, discomfort just in general. I mean, just getting really nervous, maybe even a little shaky and sweaty palms. I mean it's very uncomfortable. There are some people, I know some people that love conflict. They love tense situations and they would will dive into them. They love to just be in that atmosphere and that's that's where they, they get their their fuel. I am the total opposite and it may have something to do with the way I grew up and how I was constantly in sort of those tense situations. But I don't like conflict. Now the thing is I do have a degree in conflict resolution. So it's only right that I put on my teacher hat today and yes. I give,
1: share some knowledge. Okay, share and some I, knowledge. And I love this role reversal today that's happening, right? Because I also I think my role growing up in my family was to be the peacekeeper or the peacemaker, and or at least that's how my perception of it. My family may say we'll see what they say, right? <laughs> but, right? <laughs> but I've generally been the peacekeeper, and so. I tend to be, what I tell my friends is, I tend to be conflict avoided. So I will do whatever needs to be done to avoid the conflict. But that's not necessarily healthy either. Right, right. So T, tea. teacher T. Tea. Yeah, oh, okay, okay. Come on in and help us all out.
2: Let's do it, let's do it. I will have to say, I, I definitely... Was that person my family as well? And I think for me, there were so many situations where the conflicts ended with such bad like results and consequences where it was like, Oh, I don't wanna be in conflict. I don't wanna experience this because it could be very very violent, it could be detrimental, like it could be very bad, right? And so, I will say though I have my master's in conflict resolution, I that doesn't mean I like conflict, I can coach other people on conflict, and I'm great at you know, how many of us are I'm great at giving other people advice about situations like that. When I have my own, I still consult with my support system, it doesn't mean that I'm perfect. My husband and I both have this degree which is where we met in grad school. And so we oftentimes will use the techniques. It took us a little bit of time to get there, but we'll use the techniques that we have learned in our grad program in the household. So I just want to say, if you ever see us with one of our couple check-ins, we put some ground rules on the fridge because we have a little whiteboard there and we're sitting down with like our notepad. It's like pretty official and we've come a long way. So I'm actually really proud of that. It's kind of cool. So I got some insight I want to share with you. But what I want to say first is conflict isn't a bad thing. It's literally part of life. And conflict allows us to improve the way we've always done things. So if you've been doing something over and over and over, it's like, okay, maybe someone has a different opinion. Maybe you're going to have to meet and agree and figure out a new way to do things, right? You just never know. But conflict allows us to really move past, I want to say the status quo, and also get innovative, explore the possibilities. Conflict is important, but how we manage conflict is key when it comes to our end result. So what is conflict resolution anyway? And why is it important? Conflict resolution in a nutshell is a way for two or more parties to find a peaceful solution to a disagreement among them.
1: Literally, that's it. So me being a peacekeeper technically might not have been me avoiding conflict is what you're telling me.
2: I think so. I would need to honestly I would need to hear more about the situations because I too have been the peacemaker and sometimes as the peacemaker I would help come to a resolution that would be beneficial or peaceful for other people and I'm just the person that just takes all the shit. Um, I'm I'm com- I've always been comfortable in that role. So it could be that scenario where it's like yeah, it was peaceful, but it wasn't really a win-win. And that's ideally what we want to get to, a win-win or some kind of compromise. It, oh. Your facial expressions, what is going on over there?
1: So, <laughs> so I think what's, what I'm hearing for me is that I was able to do that with other people and their conflict, but not necessarily for my own conflict.
2: Mm, gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. Oh, this is going to be good. This is yes. going to be good. Put your seatbelt on and get ready. Yes. And I do want to say that the reason this is important is because, now, look, now follow me with this one, okay? Because you might roll your eyes and be like, girl, you don't know what you're talking about. Or girl, what you talk about. But listen, I used to be in a space in life where I used to think that people, especially in the business world, because I think that in family and business, that's where most of our conflict occurs. You might have some friendship conflicts, but sometimes those family and and like work-related conflicts can be like, oh my gosh. And what I used to think is that people would typically be unbiased in their role or in the relationship and they would do what was in everyone's best interest, right? You would assume that people would do that. But what I learned is that if you have not read Dale Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, is such a good read. And what they say in that book is that people will go the extra mile and they will do things for the people they like. And so I'm not here to say, put your needs aside and just go out and try to be liked. But I will say that conflict resolution is important because if you can have a tactful conversation with someone where after the conversation or the, the disagreement, you're able to still be friends or still be coworkers. You never know when you're gonna need that person. And I'll give you an example. I had this one professor in college and I had a B in his class. It was around Christmas time and I was the I was the nerd, y'all. I was the person that would meet with my professors before the semester. Cause I'm like, y'all gonna know this black girl name, okay? Cause I you need to know me because that way, when you're grading papers, people may think I'm crazy. When you're grading papers, you'll associate, okay, this face with Terry Lomax. And when you have the ability to shift the grade a little bit, trust me, they do it. I know it's not it's not good to say that, but let me tell you, I emailed this professor and I said, hey, professor, what was his name? I'm not going to put him out there. But I said, hey, professor, I noticed that I'm so close to an A here. You know, I wanted to know if there's anything I can do for extra credit to get a higher score or whatever. And it was around the Christmas season. And he was like, you know what, Terry? Mind you, I used to always go to his office to see him for office hours and ask questions and make sure he knew my name. He's like, you know what, Terry? Merry Christmas! I just updated your grade to an A. I liked you, not. Now imagine if I was a problem in his class, or imagine if I didn't put myself out there. That's not really a conflict, but it just shows you that in life, in general, people really do go the extra mile. Customer service—they do the same thing.
1: <laughs> Tell me, what is it? <laughs> As a professor, (laughs) I will neither confirm nor deny whether or not that actually happens. What I will say, though, is that when we have relationships with our students, we are more willing to work with them when problems arise. So whether that's my A student or my F student, if I have a relationship with that student, I am more willing to work with them and work with them may mean that I'm going to give you extra credit so that you can help get your grade up. Or I may spend extra time like going over concepts with you to make sure that you're really learning the material, but whatever. And I may help you get connected with resources. But if I have that relationship with you, I'm willing to go the extra mile, do other things to help you do well in the class. Exactly. And I see what
2: you did there, Dama. I appreciate, I got you, girl. I appreciate you. But it's, it's really how it works in life. And I know some people are like, Oh, well, I don't like people. And I get it. I've been on that train as well. But when you think about it, life is all about relationship building. And the, the prayers that you are praying to God are going to come from a human being. And so it'd be in your best interest to build relationships with people. And maybe you can set boundaries where you don't got to be with people all the time, but Learning how to resolve conflicts effectively in a tactful manner would really help you out in the long run. So let's dive into the topic. All right, lady, it's about that time. Dom and I want to share a few sponsors with you that we believe you'd enjoy. So stay tuned, get those promo codes, and we'll hop right back into this informative conversation.
1: Lady, as you know, this month is Women's History Month. And it's a great opportunity to highlight the stories of Black women specifically. Black representation holds significant importance in conveying possibilities to everyone, not just those of us in the Black community. I can recall growing up watching Oprah Winfrey and the Black newscasters in my hometown of New Orleans, and it showed me the importance of sharing my own stories and using my own voice. Well, the next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's latest collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Tracy Ellis Ross to Beyonce's Renaissance, Michelle Obama to the women behind the Montgomery Bus Boycott, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths.
2: What I love most about Black Stories, Black Truths is the fact that the stories are from us and they cover topics we want to hear. I recently listened to an episode called "Tracy Ellis Ross is an Icon and our favorite rich auntie. And it was just such a breath of fresh air to hear her perspective on her new projects, what she loves most about podcasts, and how she feels about being called the rich black auntie. It was good. Now, you know, black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now... They are the story. In NPR's Black Stories Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be told about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts.
0: MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.
1: All right, I am ready to dive in. And so, what we're going to do is we're going to look at a few scenarios that most of us are either familiar with or we know someone who has been through it. And what we'll do is we'll touch on each of those scenarios one by one, and then we'll circle back and kind of share with you some of the tips. And that's when you wanna pull your pen and paper out because we're gonna offer you some of the best practices to help manage your conflict effectively.
2: Yes, we want to talk about how to disagree with someone and still be friends afterwards. You don't got to cuss each other out and you don't got to get all crazy. It's like, okay, we can disagree and keep on pushing, right? We want to give you tools that you can use today. So let's first dive into some tips to manage conflict for the non-confrontational woman. And the first tip I want to share is how to disagree agreeably. And I won't talk about what that means, but we all have our own experiences. We all have our own thoughts, opinions, and values, which means that disagreements are inevitable. They are going to happen, especially in the workplace, because we spend so much of our time at work. It's like our work family, for real, for real. And we're going to have conflict with these folks. And this isn't a bad thing, but the key here is to, of course, pick and choose your battles Sometimes it's really not even necessary to share that you disagree with someone. And other times it's important to voice your opinion and share how you feel. So when it comes to how to disagree agreeably, we're going to share some tips here. But what that basically means is you can disagree with someone in an agreeable fashion. So it's like people usually say agree to disagree. Um, I like to say disagree agreeably. And so let's go over nugget number one.
1: All right. So the first nugget is focus on the facts. What we know for sure is that a strong argument is one that uses facts over opinions. But we also know that that can be difficult to remember when you're in the middle of a disagreement, particularly when you're in a disagreement with a friend or a family member. So if you focus on the facts, not only will your argument be that much more convincing. But it'll also make it clear that this isn't personal. And when we're dealing with friends and family, especially, we don't want it to all, it's not going to always be personal. So focus on the facts.
2: And that takes us right on to number two, which is don't get personal. There is no need to put the other person down or take shots. Shots fired. No reason to do all that, okay? This could backfire and prevent you from connecting with the other person and learning more about their perspective. And your number one goal is to effectively present your ideas, not poke holes in the other person's, right? So we don't want to get personal. We don't want to do any name calling because if you think about it, getting personal is literally going to do the opposite of what you want to do here. It's going to make the other person defensive. It's going to get them all in their feelings. And that when they're in that space, they are not going to hear what you're trying to say. And so it's so important to don't take it personal. And one thing I do want to say is that you're going to hear us constantly reminding you to take deep breaths. I used to be the kind of person, I was not a good communicator. Shoot, I'm trying to think. My I feel like my my relationship made my communication better because I was not a very good communicator. I did not see good communicators growing up. And so I would just get upset about something and like, fly off the handle. And i just be so pissed. And i just be talking and not thinking about what I'm saying. And you you say things that you don't mean. And we can't take those things back. Once you say that thing energetically, that thing is out in the universe. You can apologize all you want. That thing is out there and doing its own thing. And we can't take it back. And we can't make our loved ones, our friends unhear that. And so it's really important to like, breathe, take a break.
1: And that part goes into our quote of People will remember how you make them feel. So if you're saying something that like your take your shots fired, that person might not remember exactly what you said, but they will remember how it made them feel. Yeah. And I'm sure
2: you could think of we could all right now if we were to think I mean, we're going to end on a positive note. But real quick, just go with me here. You could probably think about something. That happened in your life where you had a disagreement with someone and they said some foul shit and you were just like, yo, that made me feel all kinds of ways. Right. You can definitely think of a situation. I'm sure we all can think of a situation where that happened. And again, you may not remember exactly what they said, but you remember how they made you feel. And even though you may have rekindled the relationship, that thing is usually always going to be in the back of our mind. And anytime we get upset, it's going to you know, resurface and you'll think about it. So we really do want to be mindful that we're not taking Things personal and we're also not making it personal
1: and when we keep those things in mind that makes it easy for us to slide right into the next nugget which is recognize the good yes we get it you're in an argument you're disagreeing with that person but rarely is a suggestion so bad so awful unless they're giving shots fired and low blows that you can't find a single nugget of wisdom in there somewhere. So before launching right in with your argument, it's best if you preface it with something that you like about the person's original suggestion and then use it as a launching point for your own idea. And also when you are giving your argument, if you offer anything personal, Offer something positive about that person because again, if they're focusing on how you made them feel, you want to make sure that despite disagreeing, you made them feel good. And here's the thing: sometimes you might
2: be chatting with someone, and you're like, "Yo, I don't, I don't agree with anything they're saying. I can't recognize the good." Yo, it's good if somebody just shares their opinion. You could literally say to someone, "You know, that's a really interesting idea that you had," or you could say, "You know." I really appreciate you sharing your opinion. You don't have to, you know, co-sign and agree with what they said. If you really can't find anything good there, but acknowledging them, I'm telling you what it does is it lets the person's guard down. They feel heard and they are now able to receive something that you have to say because they don't feel the need to, you know how it is when we argue, you, Honestly, all right, let let me just give you a quick example, because this goes right into number four, which is remember to listen. There have been so many times my husband, I feel like I'm going to talk about my marriage because we use these tools on each other. And so this is just a great um, space for me to talk about it. And there have been times my husband, he is quick to apologize. He'll apologize if he offends me or if he does something that I don't like. Right. Not as much as me. I'm getting better at that because sometimes I'm like, I ain't apologizing, But he'll apologize And sometimes I don't even want the apology. I want you to tell me how wrong what you did was. And I want you to hear me and how I felt. I want to be heard. And many times when we are in an argument with someone, we just want to be heard. And so when you think about it, Active listening is the key to great conversation, especially when you disagree. As much as you want to nod your head and think about your response, like, all right, yeah, this is what I'm going to say to that. Because let me tell you, I done been there plenty of times where it's like, literally word your words are going in one ear, out the other. And I'm like, yeah, oh, I'm getting ready. I'm about to say this to you next. It's going down. Like, I'm literally mapping out my whole whole statement, and how I'm going to rebut this and disagree with that, yo. I'm telling y'all, your girl has come a long way. And if I can do this right here, I'm telling you, you can too. Try to really listen to what the person is saying because when you tune them out, they know you tune them out. Just like, you know, when somebody tunes you out, you know, when you're talking to your boo thing or your friend and you're talking like, you ain't even listening to nothing I'm saying because you can just see it, especially when they respond and they just respond to what you said instead of actively listening, right? When you actively listen, what that looks like is sometimes really doing a quick summary of what the person said. So mirroring, right? Or sort of, I don't want to say regurgitating because that sort of has like a negative, nasty context, but like you sort of reframe what they said. So if Dom is like, you know what, Terry, it offended me when you, I don't know, took my soda and you ate my lunch. And I'm like, Dom, it sounds to me, Dom looks pissed, y'all, I'm joking. (laughs) It Sounds that this is me active listening to Dom. If um Albert is steal her food like that, which is foul, I'd be like, Dom, it sounds to me like you are really upset because I took your drink and I stole your lunch. Is that right? Confirm that you are on the same page because now that person they don't have to worry about coming to you trying to make sure you heard how they felt and what they said, like I was telling you I did with my husband, because you feel like, okay, yes, that's exactly how I felt, I got my point across. Now they're ready to receive information from you.
1: I love it because these tips that we're offering are skills that are used in therapy. Mm -hmm. So for anyone who has any hesitation about the usefulness of therapy, these are skills that the therapist uses. These are skills that the therapist teaches you how to use in your personal life.
2: Yay, I'm on the right track, y'all. Dom has <laughs> confirmed I'm on the right track here.
1: <laughs>
2: All right, so we're going to move on to number five, which is one of my favorites, and that is to use I statements. So I want to ask you a question. I'm going to read two sentences, A first and then B, and I want you to think about which sentence sounds more harsh and critical. All right, here's A. You always come up with these big ideas so close to the deadline that you only make things harder for everybody here's B. I see where you're coming from, but I'm concerned we might be getting too close to the deadline for major changes. So literally, I said the exact same thing there. Like the the end result is the exact same, right? But when I use the I statement, I take ownership one for what I see or for my perspective or my part and I'm letting you know that I'm concerned that we might be getting close to the deadline. It's not you centered or you focused. Whereas if someone says "h you," I can guarantee many of us are going to be super defensive. Oh, so now I come up with big ideas and you don't approve. Oh, so now I'm making everybody else making their work harder because of It just makes it makes people respond a certain way. And so using I statements. So Dom, if you were to use an I statement about me stealing your lunch. What would that I statement look like?
1: Terry? I was really hungry today. And when you took my lunch, I felt upset. And I felt like, I felt as if I didn't matter to you. Wow.
2: Now, how the hell are you going to be mad at someone when they respond and say something like that? She used the I statements and the you statements that she did use about me, they were facts. It's not like she made something up and said, oh, you greedy... Sorry, y'all. I got I had a flashback. of my sudden, you greedy hoe. Oh my <laughs> lord. What is wrong with this mouth today? We're going to keep must have called you "Oh, okay." I think we're going to keep that in there cuz that was Yeah, we're going to just keep that in there. Okay. So, instead of, you know, coming for me, she literally just said the facts and how she felt. And so I statements allow you to take ownership of your feelings and the facts while leaving the other person with their dignity intact. Okay, because people are less likely to be defensive when you use I statements. I can't I can't dispute and argue and rebut with how you feel. That's your that's your feeling. You have a right to that.
1: I think that leads us right into our next nugget, which is knowing when to move on. With knowing when to move on, that means that okay, I've given my I statements. So I've expressed how I'm feeling, I've stated my facts, and now there's nothing else left to say. So if there's nothing else left to say, but maybe Terry wants to keep the conversation going. Maybe Terry is about to get into a space where she's bringing up old issues or unrelated conflicts, which oftentimes will happen when people aren't dealing with their conflicts on a regular basis. So in that moment, if I know that it's time for me to move on, I know that it's time for this conversation to stop either because I've stated the things that need to be stated or I sense that the conflict is going to boil up, boil over. Maybe I could say something along the lines of. I'm not ready to dive into this other part of the conversation right now. I'm going to step outside to clear my head and perhaps we can meet tomorrow to talk about it or We can reconvene after I've had some time to clear my head. Those
2: are really good, Dom. And I think that in an intimate relationship, if you're going to use any of these techniques for your partner or your friends or family, one thing I think is really important, and we're not going to really dive into this too deep, but establishing ground rules before you're like, am I going going to talk about this later? I can't remember, but... Before diving into a deep conversation, let's say you're having a couples check-in. That's something we do on a monthly basis. We have a couples check-in or like a one-on-one just to touch base about things that come up for us and things that we need to discuss because it's important for growth and also it's important to make sure that things don't get brushed under the table. And so when we have those, typically we will have ground rules. One of the ground rules that has been a constant on our ground rule list is no interrupting because I do have a bad habit, especially in a disagreement of just interrupting Because what I have to say is so damn important, even though it really is sometimes. But no, I am working on that. So that is one of the ground rules. I think that's really important. And then also establishing the goal. Like, what is the goal or the the ideal outcome of this conversation? That way, when someone brings up the old shit and you're like, play, that happened three years ago. that's, That's literally not even on the menu for tonight. You can always revisit what is the goal of the conversation um, But I think you're right. Sometimes old stuff comes up when you haven't really been addressing things on a consistent basis. And you know what? Sometimes you have to. What do they say? Agree to disagree. Sometimes you reach a point where it's like, you know what? It sounds like you're saying this, Dom. My perspective is Z. I don't think we're going to move any. We're not going to move forward. Right. Like I think we've reached an impasse and it's time for us to both agree that we cannot agree on this topic and move forward. Do you need anything from me to close this out?
1: I think that's excellent. And I think it's so hard to do though. It is. And so one of the things that, you know, I think is important for us to remember in addition to...
2: All right, lady, it's about that time. Dom and I want to share a few sponsors with you that we believe you'd enjoy. So stay tuned, get those promo codes, and we'll hop right back into this informative conversation.
1: Lady, as you know, this month is Women's History Month, and it's a great opportunity to highlight the stories of Black women specifically. Black representation holds significant importance in conveying possibilities to everyone not just those of us in the Black community. I can recall growing up watching Oprah Winfrey and the Black newscasters in my hometown of New Orleans, and it showed me the importance of sharing my own stories and using my own voice. Well, the next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's latest collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Told from a unique Black perspective. From Tracy Ellis Ross to Beyonce's Renaissance, Michelle Obama to the women behind the Montgomery Bus Boycott. There's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths.
2: What I love most about Black Stories, Black Truths is the fact that the stories are from us and they cover topics we want to hear. I recently listened to an episode called Tracy Ellis Ross is an Icon and Our Favorite Rich Auntie. And it was just such a breath of fresh air to hear her perspective on her new projects, what she loves most about podcasts, and how she feels about being called the rich Black auntie. It was good. Now, you know, Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be told about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Taking those deep breaths is to keep calm and to focus on the the process instead of the content. And so what that means is right now what's happening is things are getting heated. And I think it might be best for me to walk away. And notice that I focused on myself. I didn't address how how you were feeling. I kept those I statements, but I recognized that and I focused on the process That things are getting heated. I didn't say anything about what was being said. Focusing on just the process. So then that way, it's easier to walk away. And then you can come back later and address it.
2: Yes, I think stepping away and cooling down is very important sometimes. And I know when you're working with someone and you two have different sort of, I want to say, processing styles. I know sometimes I might be in a conflict with someone and they might be someone that needs to speak out loud to process. Whereas I am the kind of person where I need to go away and like process on my own and usually write things down in like journal. And then I can come to the table. And so it really depends on who you're speaking to, what your styles are. And you can always have a conversation about that. So we're going to dive into a little scenario, a little role play. Okay. So the scenario is Dom and Terry are best friends, and they're talking on the phone like they do weekly to catch up on gossip, news, pop culture, and all that good stuff. Dom is telling Terry all about how she's boycotting football, and Terry doesn't agree. So, pull out our phones and action.
1: Girl, let me tell you, I am not here for... This football nonsense. I am not here for how they are not supporting Kaepernick. And I think that we all, now you know I was a diehard Saints fan. Mm -hmm. I think that we all just need to boycott football altogether. Like,
2: fuck football. Whoa, that's pretty aggressive. You do realize that Kaepernick is being disrespectful to vets and people that serve this country, right?
1: No, he ain't. I need you to go and watch the news and go read up on some of that shit and learn that he ain't being disrespectful. They are being disrespectful to him. Don't tell me what I need
2: to go do. And I would appreciate it if you didn't cuss at me.
1: I'm going to say what I need to say. And you just going to have to deal because I am saying I am adamant that. We are not going to support football. I need you to get on board with this. I thought we was girls. Like, come on, T. Girl, bye.
2: (laughs) Okay, real quick. That could have just went down the rabbit hole. And we literally got off topic so quick. Because you said something that triggered me. And then we went off on a tangent about that. And that's one of those conversations where you end up, you ever get in an argument and you end up, somewhere where you didn't even begin. You're like, how did we even get to this point? Because we started off being angry about the napkin, this napkin on the table, and now we're talking about the car that's beeping down the street. How did
1: we, what? Because in this role play, I violated all of our tips, right? So our tip number one is to focus on the facts. Initially, I tried to stay on topic with We're not supporting football because of Kaepernick. But then when you tried to counter me, that's when I took it personal and I lost track of facts. I just started putting whatever out there, right? The other thing is that I was not even trying to recognize the good. Like I wasn't even trying to really hear anything good that you were telling me. From the moment I realized that you weren't agreeing with me, I Violated rule number four. I stopped listening. Mm-hmm. And if I did use I statements, I know that I equally used you attacking statements. That's a good one. And I wasn't ready to move on. You tried to you tried to deescalate the situation. But I was still like, nope. We're I'm pulling you back in. So I I violated all all of our tips in that scenario.
2: Now you said something that I think is really important there, and one thing you said is um, you said something about I think asking questions, and it made me think about the importance of getting curious. And so when you don't understand someone, yo. This is like something to put in your back pocket. Ask open-ended questions. So if I don't understand your perspective, and we'll dive into the right way too, and then we'll get back into this. But yo, ask questions.
1: Okay, so you ready to kind of do this the right way? Yes,
2: let's do it the right way and clean it up.
1: Action. Hey girl, have you been keeping up with all
2: this football stuff? Not really. What's going on? Girl, you know I'm not into sports. Why are you bringing this up?
1: Well, I'm bringing it up because I think I know that you are into advocating for black folks. And Colin Kaepernick is really advocating for black folks right now and asking all of us to boycott football.
2: Okay, that's interesting. I mean, you know what? I think that that is admirable like what he's doing and I totally see why you're passionate about it I guess the only thing that really rubs me the wrong way is the fact that you know my grandfathers were both in the army and my grandmother was in the navy so it's just I feel like it's disrespectful to for him to take a knee during the national anthem and so it's just I feel conflicted because of that you know what I mean well can you tell
1: me a little bit more about that because the the whole military aspect I mean honestly I've been following kind of, sort of, not really, but I still think it's important. And so can you talk to me a little bit about about that
2: military aspect part? For sure. I just think that the national anthem is something that's really important to our country and it's something that, you know, our, well, my family has sort of stood by to protect the country. And so if someone doesn't stand up, and doesn't participate. I just think it's like blatant disrespect for the people that fought for this country that we live in. And it just it makes me hard to like get on board with that. You know what I mean?
1: I think I kind of follow what you're saying. So you're looking at it more from a perspective of your family. What your family stood for. And that goes against what Kaepernick is doing. Exactly. I still think that I want to support Kaepernick. So maybe we should do some research, both of us. Right. And really figure out, like learn more about what Kaepernick is really doing this for. And we can make a decision after that. How does that sound?
2: That sounds good. That's cool. And scene. All right. So a lot more questions that time around. And oh, for the record, I am with Cap. I support Kaepernick all the way. I just felt like this was, you know, a good role for me to play. I played the bad guy this time around, but yeah, no, I'm with Cap. So don't don't get it twisted now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I'm with Cap too. Yes. So I think the main thing that we wanted you all to hear is that there was a big difference in those two dialogues and those two interactions, and the biggest difference is that. Both people were utilizing our tips, right? They were not taking things personally when it could have easily gone that way. They focused on the facts. They recognized the good in what each person was trying to bring to the table. They listened to one another. They used I statements. And they knew when to
2: move on. There you go. And we want to go over another scenario where we talk about how to tell someone when they've offended you or hurt your feelings. And so this will be sort of open-ended where we share experiences where this has happened and how we handled it, whether it was positively or negatively. And what we want you to do is think about the tips that we've been like drilling into your head here, these tips that we've been sharing. And you point out. Either how we use them or how we failed to use them in these different examples. And I have one example um, right now that's actually from a work situation that I was dealing with. And basically what happened was I had some prearranged travel engagements before I started this job. And I said, you know, when I got my offer letter, I was like, hey, I have this stuff on my calendar. It's coming up soon. Is this okay? They said, yes, I got hired. Cool. So when that time of the year came and I had these travel engagements, I remember logging into Slack, which is our instant messaging tool at the company that I was at. And one of my colleagues, he had posted something in the group. Someone asked where I was or said something about me, not in a bad way, but he had responded to this person. And he's like, yeah, she's gone a lot or something. I was really upset. I was so pissed because I was like, Oh my gosh, I already felt self-conscious because I had these travel plans. And now someone says this in the group. So I was kind of stressing because I'm like, it kind of ruined my little travel. Cause I was like, dang, now I'm paranoid. Like people are going to be like, Oh, she, she just out on vacation, but it was really scheduled before. And so I ended up consulting with my, my team. You know, we talked about that in one of our previous episodes to figure out how to. the conversation because the colleague and i were actually like we were pretty cool um we worked together we were pretty close at work and so what i did was i sent him a message and said hey do you have some time to chat he said he did so i put some time on the calendar and we had a conversation and basically what i said was i said hey I really love working with you. He's actually very helpful for me. So I was like, I really appreciate the fact that you're always there to answer my requests because sometimes the stuff is very technical. It's not my area of expertise. I really appreciate that. So I was just thanking him for, you know, the the way that he showed up for me at work, the way he was so helpful. And I said, you know, there's something I want to bring to your attention that really made me feel some kind of way. And basically when I was traveling, I saw this Slack message. Where you said, blah blah blah, that's a fact, right I'm not using a you statement in a bad way, but I'm sharing the fact and then I said it made me feel really self conscious because I had this prearranged travel. I felt really uh sort of judged and put out there, and it just came off in a in a way that offended me, and he was so apologetic, like he was very uh, very shocked. he didn't even expect me to have the conversation, but he said he's so sorry that was not his intention at all. He said some other stuff that I don't really remember. And then I closed it out by saying, I'm so glad we could have this conversation. I really appreciate the work relationship that we have. And I'm so grateful that I could share this with you and you could receive this feedback. And that was on his heart for a long time. He actually told me in that meeting, he was like, I literally, because this was like his first job, he's like, I never had a conversation like this at work, but I hope that any other like constructive feedback conversations are like this. This was really awesome. And I was like, well, damn, I guess I did a good damn job of somebody. I'm giving them constructive feedback about something that offended me. And he responded in that way. And we've been great ever since. And again, we talked about relationship building. I literally go to him for a lot of things that I need at work and we have a good working relationship. So it's really, really dope to do that. And it's very important to be tactful. Now, the last thing I'm going to close out with is a story about my grandfather. And there was an instance when my grandfather was alive. He was very playful, but he used to always, in an endearing way, I guess he thought it was endearing, call us girls, sometimes the boys too ugly. And as someone that has struggled with self-esteem and all these things, I don't tolerate people calling me names that I don't appreciate. And so I'll let them know with the quickness. So I'm very happy I'm at that point now where I can do that. It wasn't always that way. And so it was my grandfather being a very old school black granddad who he don't play, right? I went to him and I actually talked to my mom about it. I was like, Mom, you know, Pop Pop, he says this and I really don't like it, but I don't know how to approach him because it's Pop Pop. Like, I don't, he's like the patriarch of the family. He can be intimidating. And she said, Tell him. And I was like, Really? And she kind of gave me some advice on how to tell him. So I went up to him and I basically just said, You know what, Pop Pop? I really appreciate the fact that you've always, Encouraged me to be a strong, independent woman. And I wanted to bring something to you that really made me feel some kind of way. And whenever you say ugly, that really impacts me and hurts my feelings. And he was totally understanding of that. And as you can see, I dropped his guard by starting with the positive or what I call the sandwich compliment, where you start with something complimentary to let the person's guard down so they don't get all nervous and defensive and ready to pounce. You go in with what you want to say using your I statements and then you close out again with another compliment. So it's literally sandwich compliment. And so that is our advice on how to manage conflict for the non-confrontational woman.
1: Lady, I hope you took all the notes. And just in case you didn't, we have some new news for you. We have created what we call Her Space Sanctuary. And that is a spot within Facebook, a group within Facebook, where we open it up, we create the sanctuary for healing, for dialogue, for empowerment, for building resiliency. See what I did there? And so we want you to go on our Facebook page, like our Facebook page, and join our Facebook group. Thanks for joining us today in Her Space. Please note that our show may contain conversations about self-help, advice, self-empowerment, and mental health, but it is by no means meant to be a substitute for an ongoing formal relationship with a trained mental health provider. If you or someone you know is in need of mental health care, please visit the Therapy for Black Girls directory, Psychology Today, or contact your insurance provider.
2: If you liked what you heard and want to keep the conversation going, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HerSpace Podcast, or check out our website at herspacepodcast.com. And before we meet again, repeat after me, I release what no longer serves me to manifest what
1: I desire. Thanks for joining us.
0: That's join